Welcome to Life Essence Podcast and this is our testimony hour. Why testimony hour? You know, sometimes we go through a lot of trauma and we have healing and we have recovery. So it's good to talk about the process and talk about the journey. With Life Essence Podcast and our testimony hour, it's about talking to real people, real lives, real situations, you know, nothing fluffy, just realness. So today we're going to be discussing addiction, recovery and how Jesus is love and healing power is just awesome. And I'm joined here today by a beautiful lady called Scarlett. Hey, or Hazel Scarlett, rather. <laughs> See, people always get my name back Because it's two, um, two name it's names. Two, two, two colours. Yeah, Hazel and Scarlett. Yeah, but it's Hazel Scarlett, yeah. Hazel Scarlett, which is lovely. Thank you for joining me today on okay. this podcast. No problem. <laughs> Good to be here. How are you feeling? Um... I'm feeling okay actually. Good. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with my friend. Um, we just had some nice chat before we come to do this podcast. We've had a nice little prayer session. Um, yeah, so I'm feeling quite good, ready for this. Good, yeah. good. So Hazel works with um the homeless and with people who suffer with addiction and she's been project managing that kind of work for how many years now? Um I've worked in the field of addictions for probably um oh, well over 10 years. I've worked for a um, number of homeless charities, um, Thames Reach, namely one of them, um, in many different roles, support worker, um, working with volunteers, um, and a lot of other different roles, um, all predominantly um, geared towards um, vulnerable people and homeless people. Um, and I've just finished um, a two-year role with Crisis, the homeless charity, who, um, do crisis at christmas which most people know about um i've just finished project developing a um community hub um for homeless people and vulnerable people within the community of harleston it's amazing work yeah hard work yeah i could really imagine yeah so how did you get into that kind of work um I think for me, um, obviously, I've not always been a Christian. Um, got a bit of a backstory. Um, I've been quite vulnerable myself um, from early teens into my kind of late twenties, thirties. Um, suffered a lot myself in terms of um, mental health issues, um, addictions, um, brought on by a lot of um, childhood trauma. Um, came into church. Um, Got deliverance from a lot of that and um then as a consequence of that healing and deliverance which is still ongoing mm-hmm. god has given me a passion just to not see anyone suffer in the way that i mm-hmm. did that led me into doing working with vulnerable people um, in a paid role and i also do it um voluntarily have done it voluntarily mm-hmm. as part of the church i want a bit of a break at the moment yeah. that's another story um but yeah it's, it's all it's all around what I've been through and wanting to give back really mm. and want to do something that I'm truly passionate mm. about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So with um your addiction, how did that start? Um I'd say for me my addictions oh, 
it's a funny question. No, no one's asked me that question for a very long time. Um, my addiction for me, my, first of all, my addiction was alcohol. Yeah. For a lot of people, it's um, it's it's different. Um, for some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's sex. Some people, mm. it's, it's a lot of other things. And for some people, it can just be one thing which then opens the door to a lot of other addictions. But for me, it was predominantly alcohol. And, and for me, that started from the first moment that I picked up a drink, which mm. was when I was probably 15 years old. Mm. Um, my mum has had addiction issues. It was right through my family. My grandmother died of alcoholism in her 50s. Her mother before her died of alcoholism. There was a lot of sexual abuse and things in my family. And the way that we dealt with it was, uh, the way my mum dealt with it, the way my grandmother dealt with it was to anaesthetise themselves with alcohol. Mm. And um, me growing up, suffering, going through the same things, when I drank alcohol, what I realised as a young teenager, going out with my friends, drinking and partying, I was always quite an anxious person mm. because of um, the things that I've been through, because of low self-esteem, because of not feeling like I was enough. Not feel, like All the things that abuse does to if someone's been through abuse, you will, you will identify with the fact that you have a tendency to feel less mm. than everyone else. You have a tendency to feel like you don't fit in. It just impacts you in so many ways and um as i said so i'm going off a little bit drinking drinking alcohol for me what i realized when i picked up that first drink was those feelings dissolved mm. for the first time in my life i actually felt like i i wasn't scared i wasn't anxious i wasn't constantly expecting something bad to happen to me didn't feel depressed um everything in my life felt good and um slowly as time went on that drink that going out and drinking with my mates mm. while they would all go home and get over their hangover as soon as the drink had worn off i would st i would then feel all of these old mm. feelings of anxiety coming yeah. back all of these memories of the the abuse that i've been through they would all come flooding back and my head would automatically tell me go and have a drink mm. that and that squashes it and that's yeah. kind of how it how it worked for me yeah. it was like a blocker it was a blocker yeah yeah definitely a blocker um i didn't know any other way to deal mm. with it so when you used to drink how, what was your behavior um i'd say i was the life of, and initially mm. i was the life and soul of the party i could mm. dance i mean i was i was so wrapped up in anxiety i was a person i couldn't mm. even dance mm. if i didn't have a drink i was mm. so out, out um, self-conscious and um self-aware um if i was in a room full of people i couldn't talk mm. um especially strangers um i just was just really well so when i initially started drinking when i when i when i had a drink that, that i was the complete opposite of that mm. you know i was actually the complete opposite of that i couldn't even i couldn't relate to men i couldn't relate to women i mean i didn't have a, a boyfriend until i was at least 18 and that was mainly because of the fact that i was just too anxious to sort mm. of have any kind of close intimate mm. relationship but um yeah so alcohol allowed me to do all those things mm. that a, a lot of people would probably do quite naturally because they have the self-esteem to do it mm. um so it was quite good you can imagine for me it was quite good initially but then over time my behavior started to change the the thing that was actually helping me and enhancing my life alcohol slowly kind of began to began to destroy my life and mm. i started to 
um, I'd start to get, I'd drink and I'd be depressed, I'd mm. be crying, my friends would all be dancing and having a good mm. time and I'd be the person in the corner yeah. having drink after drink, starting crying, talking about my life, all the memories were coming mm. back, even though I still had the alcohol mm. in my system, the memories were just not, it wasn't working mm. anymore. Um, I started to become very um, isolated. There was times where I'd, I'd isolate myself quite a lot and drink on my own. Mm. Um, started to become quite promiscuous. I think it's important to say that, you mm. know. Did um, you know it was a problem, that you had a problem with alcohol at that time? Or did you think? Um, did I know I had a problem? Um, I think subconsciously I knew. Mm. But I don't think the consequences of my behaviour, my alcoholism and my drinking have come to a level mm. where I could truly acknowledge and reach out for help mm. and say that I had a problem. Mm. Was there anyone around you to tell you that your behaviour was not like you or not? I think for me, a lot of my drinking mm. went on around my family mm. and they were all drinking anyway. Yeah. So they, for them, it, I would be abnormal if I didn't drink yeah, yeah. and I didn't behave, yeah. you know, in, in strange ways. Um, in terms of the people around me, mm. I hid it very, mm. very well. I hid it really, really well because obviously I was drinking whilst we were in social settings. Mm. But then when I was going home and locking the door, there was no one around to see that. Mm. Um, I think it only started to become apparent to people that it was a problem is when I started not turning up for work. Mm. Um, depressive episodes that I would yeah. have when we were together um, mm. yeah different just a lot, a lot of different things that were happening mm. that were and I'm guessing people who are going to be listening you know will be able to relate to some of the things that you've said in terms of you know things that have happened in the child in your childhood and you know the depressing the depressing moments that you have when you come down from yeah. um, alcohol and just you know the hiding of how you're really feeling yeah um when you were at your lowest point. Yeah. What was that like? The lowest point for me. So I think the lowest point for me, and I'm going to share this, and then I'm not sure. And the only reason I, um, I'm sharing this is because I, I don't feel ashamed of it. It's part mm. and parcel of the story, and it's really important that people realise that you know they don't need. You know, you can be honest about what's what, what's happening to you. So for me, the lowest part was so. Um, I've got a son called Nathan. He's 18 now. Um, there'd been a lot of incidents that had occurred in my drinking where social services had become involved mm -hmm. in my life and I think my son was about five or six at the time um, a lot of times where I'd been really drunk been out on the street with him um, a member of the public have alerted the police to the fact mm -hmm. that there's a lady going around with a young child mm -hmm. she's drunk um, or I turned up at the school to drop him off at the school drunk or I hadn't picked him up from school, um, those sort of things. Um, and social services to become involved in my life. And um, it got to um, a point where they decided that for his safety that they would have to take him away from me. That's been really hard. Yeah. And that for me was, I remember there was a particular day this is, I remember it so clearly. I went, I, I'd got really drunk in the house and I was supposed to pick him up at school, from school at five o'clock. Mm. Social services were already involved at this time. 
I'd passed out in my front room and I woke up at about seven o'clock in the evening and realised in panic that I hadn't picked him up. Um, ran to the school, which was five minutes away. And as I got to the school, what I saw was a lady with my son holding his hand, walking away with him, walking away with him towards her car. And I just had this overwhelming panic that you know this is it now I've actually blown it they've given me so many chances they're actually going to take him away and um after a series of events after that they actually did mm -hmm. so they took him away to foster parents um that night um I was allowed to see him the next day and I had to say goodbye and that was probably the most heartbreaking mm -hmm moment of my life and I remember going home that day to my house um, I saw they had a bottle of drink on the side, bottle mm. of vodka on the side and had a knife on the side as well and I sat down in my front room I knew that I could not stop this drinking even though the mm. worst thing had happened I had nothing less, mm. my house was a mess, my son was gone, my house was empty um, I'd lost my job you know and my mum was sitting in my front room and I said to God, um, I didn't even know God, this is the weird thing about it, I didn't even know that God existed, but in my mind I had tried so hard to kick this habit that um, in my childlike mind at the time, I said, God, if, if you're there and you exist, I said, this is it, I said, here's the alcohol, here's the knife, I can't do this anymore, so I'm going to kill myself unless wow. you help me. That's why I, I literally mm. said that in the front room when I was crying my eyes. Every, every, everything was gone. The most precious thing to me in my life is my son and he was mm. gone. And um, all I can say is in that moment, I felt the presence of God come into that room. And um, I all can, the only way I can describe it is is a mixture of fear and love mm. all at the same time so it's like you don't know what's what what is mm -hmm. i've just prayed to god and now i'm feeling something really strange is happening to me so in, in, in the same i felt like i had someone had their arms around me but at the same time i had this awful fear but then i had this voice in my head that was also saying to me everything's going to be fine everything is going to be fine um put the knife down put the alcohol down went upstairs to my bedroom went to sleep um woke up the next morning and the desire for alcohol was completely gone wow i had no desire to drink whatsoever i got up, walked outside of my house bumped into this guy that i'd known mm. for many years he was a christian um i've known him in aa because i've been mm. going in and out of aa there's a few people in there that have been trying to help me and he was this christian guy who was always telling me stuff like get away from me i don't know what you're talking about there's always some one of us yeah yeah, was, yeah. yeah. and i wasn't even a christian so yeah. i had this experience with god but bear in mind i still wasn't yeah. a christian at the time yeah. i didn't know anything yeah. about god and um he kind of came up to me and said hey so how are you and i was like oh, dad i need to tell you something he's like what what's the matter and i still explained to him what had happened to me the previous mm. night before he's gone that's wonderful and he said oh. and it was a sunday as well he said come with me and he took me to his church and um we went into his church and um, this little church on the corner and obviously I've never been in church in my life and there was this guy and he was at the front and he was talking about this woman 
in the Bible. And I've never even heard the Bible stories, really. He was talking about this woman that was demon-possessed and um, Jesus casted all these demons out of her and they went into the pigs. Mm-hmm. And this, this room was packed full of people. And I just remember standing up in the middle of the church, I don't know what compelled me, and shouting at the top of my voice, that was me. Wow. Everyone <laughs> in the church just looked at me. And I, was, I didn't even realise what I was doing, but I related yeah. so much to the story and what had happened to me the previous night before because I had so many things going on in me, you know, as a result of alcohol. Because alcohol does bring a lot of... You do get a lot of stuff that you, you take on mm-hmm. as part of it and a lot of stuff that you're carrying that is the cause of it as well. And um, that's kind of what something in me resonated and... and um, had a conversation with the pastor afterwards because obviously he was quite um <laughs> astounded at what i did <laughs> he explained mm-hmm. to me who jesus was and that um you know i was crying when i spoke to him told him what happened that my son was gone and what happened the night before and then he told me something else which really broke me even more he told me that um i could be forgiven for all that and i didn't need to feel mm-hmm. ashamed and god could restore mm-hmm. to me everything mm-hmm. that had been stolen from me he could give my son back to me he could clean me up. He could. He forgives me, and that I don't need to hang my head anymore. And all I needed to do was it was accept the, the truth that Jesus was the Son of the, of God and that He died for me. And I, that's well, yeah, okay. If it's that simple, and um, and that's the thing that um people who don't believe in in God or you know have Christians talking to them hear this all the time. Yeah. That, things can be restored, yeah. the grace of God, and God loves you no matter what you've done, and people yeah. don't believe it. Yeah. So what was it about what the pastor was saying to you that made you believe or hang on to the message that he was saying? I think I felt unclean. I think mm. I felt dirty. I think I felt ashamed, and I think it was what I needed. Mm. More than anything else, more than even getting my son back at mm. that stage, I needed to feel forgiven Mm. i needed Mm. to feel like accepted Mm. i needed um it was that it was Mm. all everything that jesus is everything that christianity truly is everything that the cross is i needed that and i just want to just add something Mm. additionally after i had that experience at church i went home and prayed again. The pastor said to me, go home and pray again. Mm. And he gave me the sinner's prayer. Mm. He said, pray it again yes. on your own, not just with me. And I prayed it. And God said to me in an audible voice, I've never heard anything <laughs> so clearly since. Um, are you willing to give up your son for me? And at the time, I didn't quite, couldn't quite comprehend what, why he was saying that mm. to me. And... I was in such a place of desperation knew how much I needed God to help me and and I loved my son so much and, and, to, sh- and to show that I trusted him in the decision mm. that I've made in that moment in, in my front room I don't know if this even makes sense to I hope it makes sense to somebody in some way um, but in that in, in that room I turned and said to him if you'll forgive me and you save me you, you can have my son mm. you can have my son and when I, when I look back at that now I think about different scriptures like Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac and God is always putting you to the test but then he gives you your son back and then that's what I kind of relate that to and then you know within three weeks of that prayer within that house the social services I sat in a meeting with the social services and they gave me my son back wow and then that scripture came back to my head wow yeah and that's the power yeah 
and with the whole drinking from that day how has that been from that day right i'd love to sit here and say that i've been completely yeah. sober and i've not had any slips mm -hmm. okay for me i believe that um for me because of how far i went in my drinking that god has called me to be abstinent and because mm. he's also called me to work with people with addictions, mm. it, it's it's right for me to be mm. abstinent mm. and it sets the, the right example. I know mm. that some people can drink mm. safely again. Mm. I'm not one of those people. Okay, know. you know, mm. um, I think I've had. For me, it's been a, it's been a journey. I've never drunk again, mm. like alcoholically. Mm. I would say I've never drunk alcoholically for any extended period of time. Mm. Um, in the over 10 years that I've been sober, I've had what I would call slips. So like I've been on holiday and you relax and everyone's around you and mm. it's all the alcohol's free and I've had a couple of drinks and then a couple of drinks has led into six and then I've gone to my room and I've fallen asleep. But the next day I've gotten up and the depression and the anxiety and the overwhelming feelings that, that it, I felt the next day, it's just reinforced to me that mm. it's not for you. But mm. so I've, obviously so I've slipped but I've never carried on. Yeah. I've never carried on. But and and but the slips. It's not like there's been loads of them. There's been about two or three mm. over over years, and every slip has been a learning yeah. for me. And I think if you're trying to not do something that you were addicted to, whether it's yeah. food yeah. or buying clothes or shoes, yeah. there's always going to be a slip. And it's yeah. just how do you bounce back? Do you continue yeah. on that, or do you go yeah. back to what you know at the core of not doing and leaning on on Definitely. Jesus? Definitely. I think it's also. Um, knowing what your vulnerabilities are mm. as well so for me i find social situations mm. quite overwhelming when people you know like parties mm. and social situations where people are um maybe everyone's having dinner and there's all drinks around the table and and things like that even now years on i still struggle with that and mm. i have to be really careful not to force myself into the environment into environments just for the sake of fitting in yes oh if, if oh, i have to be comfortable in the company mm. that i'm in mm. and i'm I, I still kind of beat myself up for that because and, and and feel sorry for myself about that as well and i think i should because sometimes i like there's things that i that i see people doing and i want to do them but i think i have to accept in my life that because of what's happened i can't mm and so what would you say to someone who's going through where what you've gone through mm -hmm. and they're not at the point of where they're at peace with what's happened and, and their truth and they put themselves in situations where they can slip back yeah what would you say to them um it's hard to know what to say mm -hmm. so, what would I say to someone? Do you want to ask me that again and then I'll um, answer it again? You've got, uh, imagine this, that someone's listening right now yeah. who is battling with addiction. Yeah. And they've come through the cycle. Yeah. Um, and they have got res restoration. That whatever they've lost has come back. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they keep putting themselves in yeah. situations where they can yeah. relapse. Yeah. But they keep putting themselves in those situations because they, they haven't accepted the fact that they might not be able to be in those situations yeah. anymore because yeah. it's hard that must be so hard it is hard because it just put limitations yeah. on our life to a degree yeah um i don't have all the answers to that because it's mm. something that i'm still battling with mm. myself mm. um but for me what what i 
would say is what helps me when I'm tempted yes is I always have this voice in my head that says fast forward the tape okay so it's like if that drinks in front of you and I'm going to pick yeah. it up a lot of people that have addictions it's a very mm. instinctual mm. thing you just do it mm. but there's always this little voice in my head that fast forwards the tape so I always think about how am I going to feel tomorrow yeah what could potentially happen mm. and that helps me mm. sometimes if I'm in a situation and, and, and I can't avoid being around mm. the temptation because sometimes you can't mm. um, it's for me I will say I will say a little prayer under my bed under my breath I will say God keep me from temptation for the next five minutes mm. God keep me from temptation for the next 30 mm. minutes God keep me t- from temptation for the next hour mm. and that works for mm. me and if all else fails just leave. Mm. Just leave. And if you need okay to leave that. and being okay mm. with that. If you're in a situation and you really feel like you can't do it, just leave. Mm. I think a lot of the battle for me is wanting to belong and wanting to mm. fit in and wanting to be like everyone else. Mm. And I think for me, I'm coming to a place where it's just not going to happen for mm. me. I just need to just embrace the fact that I need to keep myself safe mm. and unless God delivers me from <laughs> from you know that temp- the anxieties mm. that I get in social situations because it is anxiety in social mm. situations that makes me want to drink it is uncomfortableness mm. around being around mm. people that don't necessarily know me that may be judging me mm. because I still have insecurities mm. I'm still working on mm. myself mm. and so the triggers to a degree are still there mm. but yeah it's a work in progress yeah, and we all are yeah work in progresses yeah. is there any scriptures i'm putting on the spot now yeah. <laughs> that you really lean on in what sense in the times when i'm you're tempted when you're tempted and when you're thinking about you know what god has done for me it's this I'm, I'm terrible at remembering scriptures chapter and verse. So, and me too like I, yeah. I just know the story yeah <laughs> But um, it's for me the one about when you're tempted, God will all show you a way out. Yeah. And God always shows you yeah. a way out. But the thing is, do you do you, do you choose yeah. it? Do you take yeah. it? You know, and yeah. you, you have to you have to choose that way out. Mm. I, if I'm in the supermarket, I, I don't walk down the drink mm. aisles. Yeah. Something that, really that small sounds, yeah. I don't because before I know it, I'm sta- I'll find myself standing there staring at bottles of wine, and I'm like, why are you staring at bottles of wine? You know you can't drink. <laughs> And then the next thing yeah. you know, you'll be picking up that bottle of wine. So it's like, that's a way out mm. um, that God has given me that I use all the time. Mm. And I'm quite comfortable with mm. it. Well, I shop online, mm. so I'm not going to, you know, yeah. but, you know, and things like that. And um, what else is they? So other scriptures, maybe you think of other scriptures. No, you're all right. Yeah. I mean, some will probably come to you. Yeah. So, you know, it's been 10 years since you've been... It's been over 10 years, but I've stopped counting, to yeah. be honest. What about being a Christian? How many years has that been now? Has that been... It's been over 10 years yeah. as well. I just don't count anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's not, I feel like forever. It's like, like, I just am trying to go. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's over 10 years. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, my son's 18 now. Yeah. So if you imagine yeah. that incident happened when he was five, yeah. six. It's so it's been, it's, yeah. been, it's been a long time, yeah. You yeah. Know, and you're amazing. Like, um, I've known Hazel for a little while. And um, she's just been amazing. She's been a mentor to me without her even knowing. So, <laughs> you know, you're amazing and like, your story's amazing. And the way that you 
own it yeah is a main it's your truth yeah you know and it's what it's god's truth yeah. as well of what how he showed up in your life and you know sometimes things happen to us and we don't want to share it because we feel that stigma we feel ashamed we just don't want to let people in in for whatever reason but it's through telling stories like this and sharing our pain and our recovery that we can help other people and i thank you so much yeah. for coming today and literally bearing your all and mm. letting us know what what happened but i the person who's sitting in front of me <laughs> you know we just spoke about you know your darkest moments yeah. and you know feeling that pressure of wanting to fit in and like you you sitting in front of me like you're so beautiful you're so amazing like you radiate your warmth you're very glowy like you can't see when we take a picture <laughs> anyway and post it but you know just it's just so nice just to have you oh, in in front you, in front of me like it really really is yeah. it really is and like i'm just so glad that you allowed god to come in yeah so and you know, there's so many people, and even when we watch TBN, you know, you hear these testimonies of people saying that they were sitting in their living room and God spoke to them through the TV. Yeah. But it's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. You have to be real, don't we? Yeah. You have to be real. There's people out there that are hurting, Kelly. Mm. And I am um, always willing to bear my soul if it's going, mm. going to reach somebody because I don't have shame because Jesus took that shame, as mm. I said. Mm. My testimony now is meant to shine the devil, right? Not me. That's right, one hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, shame him. Mm. So, and you know, I've got the victory now, and you know, God is doing so much in my life, and has done so mm. much in my life um, since. You know, is there anything that you wanted to share about what He's done that we might not have touched upon? I think one of the biggest things that God has done in my life. I mean, obviously, Kelly talked about that I do project development with with um, homeless charities. That's part of my paid role. But um, the biggest thing that, that, that God really did for me that sticks in my life is that he enabled me, out of my experience, to pr project develop a ministry mm. to help people with addictions mm. based on my experiences, okay? So this, this, this ministry was um, birthed to enable people to, to raise awareness of the issues of addiction within the local community and church, to train people in mentoring mm. people with addictions, and most importantly, to um, it was also part of that ministry is to is, is to run courses mm. for people that have addictions, mm. biblical courses, mm. which gives people the tools mm. to be healed mm. and delivered and mm. set free mm. from addiction. How do I know these tools work? Because the same tools that that program were written with are the exactly same tools, scriptures, and you know, and the same wisdom that God gave me in order for me to be to be where I'm at today. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you say to um your mentees when they come through when they're at their lowest point where they see no way out? I think the biggest thing for me to say to them, and that I do say to them, is the same thing that, that people say to me and that I, I've learned to mm. say to myself, is just tell God. Mm. Tell God everything. Don't get religious about it. Mm. Just cry, mm. express yourself, tell him you're angry, tell him you're hurting, give it to him, whatever the mm. situation, whatever the temptation. Be, be as honest and transparent as I've tried to be in this podcast. Mm. Be that way mm. with God. And be that way with someone you trust. Mm. 
obviously you can't be that way with everybody because no, they, they people can use things yeah people can use things against you but um and then in, in the early days mm. as as you know if you if you're just in recovery um you will be sensitive if someone mm. betrays your trust mm. for me now if i told someone something and they probably wouldn't have told someone else i'd be like oh, thanks for sharing my testimony yeah right <laughs> but in early days have someone that can mentor you that you can trust and you can share your deepest darkest mm. fears with and and be honest with with God. And if you not don't have a relationship with God, because mm. not everyone is, you know, they're at a point where they're going to church or they even believe in God. Mm. Still, tell someone that mm. you can trust because it's your secrets that keep you sick. Right, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. That is really powerful. Yeah. So talk, talk to someone, guys. Yeah. Um, if you go onto the website, there is a resource link. So if you look click on there then there will be all the resources nationally that you can click on to whether you need to speak to a trained counsellor or if you need some more advice around um, addiction domestic violence or sexual exploitation that's all there so you can click on the link and find out some more information there I really hope by Hazel sharing her testimony with you today guys that um, you'll be able to either share this podcast onto someone that you know um needs to hear this or it helps you in some way reach out you know even if it's reaching out to life essence email us contact us and we'll point you in the right direction or speak to a trusted friend as hazel said i thank you so much and thank you hazel for joining us you're today. welcome you're right you take you take care and as i always say love you but jesus loves you more mama, mama. <laughs> bye